So, uh, thanks a lot for joining, uh, wherever you are, from wherever you are. I'm from Turkey, um, not too far from Fethiye, if you know where it is. I can actually, through my window here, see a Greek island. So, I could almost swim to uh, Greece from here, from Turkey. And it's always, I love being close to the Mediterranean. For those of you who have, uh, who had uh, the ability to be close to the Mediterranean, uh, it would have been, uh, it's going to be great. Let me see if this mic actually is working. Um, yeah, I think it is. So, sorry about all the technical thing and about the very not interesting background. I wish I could show you the other way, but since the sun is setting right now, I might start uh, looking different and my colors might change uh, because the sun is right in front. So I wish I could have done it from my balcony and you could have seen this amazing sunset. Um, so I hope you can um, hear me without a glow. I hope there's no blue glow, but blue is always good. If there needs to be a glow, uh, let there be. Ah, the glow from here. Uh, yes, that over there. Yeah, that's the, that's going outside. Uh, if you could have seen my uh, um, pine uh, and uh, my pines and all the sunset that's happening right now. I just came from teaching here a class on past lifetimes and I had a few thoughts that maybe I can share with you uh, some um, um, some of you have done my past lifetime regression uh, and maybe I talked about it but it's always good to talk about it in the land of Mevlana or the land of Rumi as we know him in the west uh, about past lifetimes about reincarnation and it's always this land is full of mysticism so if you've never been to Turkey or the way it's called now Turkey um, or the lands that uh, now is Turkey and many times it's been had many reincarnations so it's a very magical place with a lot of mystical uh, energies here but anyway we're talking about past lifetimes and I suggested a few small techniques that can help you connect to your past lives uh, this is coming up to be summer here in the northern hemisphere so some of you are going to start traveling before they close everything you know if it's going to happen again so it would be good for you to travel to places you've never been or travel the places you have been, maybe a city you've never visited before. And what I suggested is to, if you're, let's say, going to Paris, to maybe Google Paris, a, a historical novel, and read some uh, stories about that city, not from the perspective of tourism, but just like stories that actually happened there in some period of time. So if you feel like you're connected more to the revolution, read about the revolution. If you feel you're connected much more uh, to modern era or to the 19th century, you can find a book about that. And when you're reading the book, to really, really try to find out if something moves your heart. I remember before I came here to Turkey, the first time I read Lords of the Horizon, which is a great book. It's not a, it's not a fiction, it's a non-fiction. It's basically talking about the Ottoman Empire. But when I uh, read that book, I cried half of the time, not because it's really sad stories, but because everything sounded or, or, or seen very familiar. So I knew before I came to Turkey for the first time that either it's going to kill me or it's going to heal me. And indeed, after 20 years of coming here twice a year, I can tell you that it's definitely healed me. Another way to look at it is food. If you have any kind of food obsession about a certain kitchen that really resonates with your tongue, with your palate. So maybe it is um, Austrian food. Maybe it is Moroccan food. So maybe you should go to Fez or you should go to Vienna. And sometimes they change. 
as we go through our periods in our life. So maybe you had a period where Greek food was your favorite when you were 20, 21. So look back at that time. If you were obsessed about this kind of kitchen and wanted to learn about it, or wanted to eat only in restaurant uh, from Greece, then there could be some echo or reverberation from a past life that happened from that part of the world at that period of your life. Because as we move and as we evolve in our, uh, in our, in our ages, in our uh, stages of development, we also travel with it from past lives that might have been very influential uh, for that specific age. And if you're now having some kind of a new obsession, look into it because a lot of time that's how we can look into past lives. The reason why we don't remember past lives is because that friction that allows us to be in the here and now and yet catch glimpses of it. Uh, one person asked, how come we don't uh, remember? That if we're supposed to learn from past lifetimes, uh, and it's really that's the way it works, so why don't we have access to remembering it? And then I suggested to look into what happened to us in the first three years of our life, because the first three years of our life, uh, we are told that 85% of our brain is developing. And in that case... It is very crucial to look into what happened to us then, but we don't remember because it's before we have speech. It doesn't mean that we're not influenced until the, the moment you die from those, those three, uh, first three years or even the nine, years, uh, nine months in your mother's womb. Even if you don't remember anything that happened from that, it still influences you. So past lives definitely influence us even if we can't remember because our subconscious, our conscious is really hooked to it. Uh, the same way that uh, if you think about the analogy of Freud, that the tip of the iceberg is the consciousness and the rest is underground. The rest of our past lifetimes, the rest of our personality, you can say our path or, or what our soul sampled and registered from past life has to do with the bottom part of that iceberg. So uh, another way to look at it is movies. If there was a movie that really you were obsessed about and it's not necessarily connected maybe to your um, to the story in a sense, look into where they filmed it. Because I remember when I watched the first time uh, The Last Temptation of Christ by uh, uh, Martin Scorsese, of course, the, the story of Christ always resonated with me. We talked about it many times. But the movie specifically, there's certain scenes that really made me very emotional and kind of hit a, a chord in my heart. And then I found out that it was shot mainly in Morocco. So it could be that it's not necessarily, let's say it's a story about the French Revolution, but they didn't want to shoot it there. They shot it actually in Budapest. So it's maybe Budapest that you have a past lifetime because as the movie tells the story of um, something that happened maybe in a different place, it's really shot in the place where that's the moment, that's, that's the area that kind of vibrates with you. Another way to look at it is when you travel to cities and things look familiar. Uh, I always suggest when you come to a new place, that's part of that energy of Sagittarius. Sagittarius is about traveling. And part of the energy of Sagittarius is adventures. And part of being an adventure is losing yourself in a city, not having so much plans. So always leave one day, half a day of getting lost in a city so that your feet can maybe, and don't remember, Pisces is feet. So sometimes Pisces, the sign of mysticism and intuition, psychic energy, will start guiding you to the streets that maybe you lived there in past lifetime or maybe they're much more familiar or they will be more familiar for you. I remember when I was in Amsterdam, I think I talked about it here before, and not that I look in a certain way more more looking like from a person from Netherlands compared to, I don't know, Belgium or whatever is next to um, Netherlands or Germany. And yet, when I was in Amsterdam, every five seconds, people would ask me for direction in Dutch. 
until I eventually I had to tell them, listen, guys, I haven't been here for 500 years, so I don't remember uh, where you're, um, uh, what you're looking for. Again, they recognized me being from a past lifetime in the Netherlands, and I didn't even know that. So sometimes other people have that. And also deja vus. Even if you go to a party in a new construction, never been there before, it hasn't been there before, so it can't be a deja vu from a past lifetime because that building is kind of new. It doesn't matter. The context or the person who invited you or the, or the barista or the barman or the DJ, whatever, could have been in a similar situation, similar setting, a similar atmosphere, similar storyline, similar staging, but not necessarily the same place that created that deja vu. Deja vu, seeing things again, is definitely connected to past life. And also, many times we can tell past lives from dreams. And that feeling of recognizing somebody, I know you from somewhere, you look very familiar, and then uh, you found out that it's not necessarily that you met them in this life, but you might have met them in a past life. And I always tell people not to get caught up with trying to find how did we meet in the last time, because what is important is that you met right now. And sometimes just the recognition is enough to activate or reactivate your connection and your intimacy. Don't forget, Scorpio rules death and reincarnation and death and rebirth, and Scorpio also rules intimacy. And also sexuality. So maybe in a past lifetime you hooked up together and that's why you don't remember them. Anyway, that was a little bit of uh, just what I brought from uh, the class that I had just now. And uh, I want to talk about the full moon that we're going to have on July 13th. And also, it's kind of interesting because I'm traveling the world right now and things are getting really crazy. I was, I was in uh, Bulgaria last week. Uh, we did a class from there, did we? Yeah, I think we met, um, we did something last, I, everything is blurring now together, you know, uh, cities, uh, places. That's what happens when travel. Uh, that's why it's such a Sagittarian experience because it's like everything is connected in a sense. That's the wisdom of Sagittarius. And anyway, uh, I think we talked about how in Bulgaria uh, there is a zombie government. The zombie government basically is a lame duck or a government or a government without a prime minister or a government like in UK that the prime minister knows that he needs to go out. It's not really clear who's going to replace me and when, you know. So who and when is a lot of the questions that they have in um in UK, at least in Bulgaria, they basically dissolve the government now and they are going to know or they know when they're going to have an election. Israel, the same thing. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, everything that is I'm made of, I'm made of half Israeli, half Bulgarian. I'm going to travel in a few weeks to uh, UK. There is like a lot of zombie governments. That's the Zygates, the spirit of the time. I think that because there is something shifting. And I think part of it is because Saturn is in Aquarius. From the beginning of the pandemic, we are having Saturn in Aquarius. And Saturn in Aquarius basically means changes in the way we govern, changes in government in general. You know, last time it happened, remember, 89, 90, 91, 92, it depends because Saturn goes back and forth. So this is a time of a lot of turmoil and change in relation to governments because Saturn knows that he has only about six more months to be more, a little bit, nine more months. I guess it's giving birth. Nine more months to... Um, to deal with the energies of uh, Saturn being in Aquarius, and then it's going to move into Pisces, which is different energy. That's going to happen March 7 uh, next year. I'm actually writing now, almost every day I'm writing like four hours, the 2023 book. So I'm here, but I'm also many ways also in 2023. So forgive me if I'm jumping between spaces and time all the time. 
But anyway, we have something crazy happening in Sri Lanka. Uh, we have uh, people um, very confused about what's going on in Japan. We have craziness in Bulgaria, craziness in uh, Israel, craziness in UK. Of course, the unfortunate, not craziness, but sadness and evil things that are happening in Ukraine. There seems to be a feeling that things are shifting. And remember, last time Saturn was in Aquarius was the fall of the Soviet Empire. So we're feeling something almost similar in a sense. And as, um, let's say, far uh, time, the consequences of what's going on here will echo for a long, long time, the same way that it did in 91. 92. And if we all survive and in 30 years, you're going to be able to look back and this time of the pandemic and realize that a lot of the processes that are happening in 30 years from now are actually also resulted from uh, what's going on right now. And I've noticed that when I'm talking with my hands, I'm like a Shiva. I have like a few hands going round and round me. It's kind of cool because of the mirror behind. Anyway, not get distracted. Focus. So, um, yeah, I wanted to look at what's happening because what I've noticed is while I was writing the book for 2023 is that something interesting is also happening to us next year. As some of you know, Pluto, the Lord of Transformation, Death and Resurrection, the ruler of Scorpio is going to move for the first time in 250 years into Aquarius. Last time it happened was the French Revolution, the signing of the Constitution in the United States. That's why everybody's obsessed about the Constitution, not only because of the Pluto retrograde that the United States is having, but mainly because we're going to have a Pluto return to the uh, ratifying of the or the signing of the United States Constitution. Also, scientifically speaking, we're going to have a big push forward uh, because of the last time Pluto was in Uran in Aquarius, we had the spread of the um, industrial age from England all over. Even though it started in 7060, I think, it really started getting everywhere all over Europe and then all over the world in uh, when Pluto was in Aquarius. So Pluto is going to be with us uh, from next year. It's going to take time for him to move back and forth. He's going to go back from Aquarius to Capricorn, Aquarius to Capricorn, which is kind of disturbing, especially to places like, you know, uh, UK or, or United States, everywhere, actually, when the conservatives and the, and the progressives are at war, because every time Pluto is moving into Aquarius, it's more towards uh, progressive ideas. Every time it's moving into Capricorn, it's where it's been for the last, uh, since 2008, it's more conservative, then it's moving back to Aquarius, then it's moving back to Capricorn. So it's going to be a pendulum going back and forth for quite a while uh, before it settles in about two years. So we're looking, you know, I don't know if looking forward, but you can't really look back because what's done is done. But we are looking forward to maybe, uh, maybe it could be instead of pendulum, maybe it could be some kind of balance or coming together. Who knows? Hopefully it will be something good <clears throat> that has to do with that Pluto in Aquarius. Again, Aquarius has to do with governments, uh, anything to do with large groups of people, corporation. Think about what's happening with uh, Elon Musk and his uh, attempt to buy Twitter and um, how he upset uh, Donald Trump by saying that uh, the Santi should be the president, God forbid. So, you know, there is a lot of these energies right now, even with corporations. Some people admire him uh, for who he is. I don't completely understand why, but maybe because he's the richest person and some people really are mesmerized or blinded by money. But anyway, this whole buying not Twitter, not buying Twitter, social media, not social media, fake um, um, accounts, not fake accounts. I mean, everybody who knows that in Twitter, it's all 
basically a lot of robots are doing a lot of work there. I'm sure it's not the first time he hears about it, but that's what the news is all about. Companies, communities, corporations, social medias. There is a lot of that energy because, again, Saturn has almost like, oh, my God, Saturn is a lot of time. And he's looking at the clock and he says, what do I have? August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. Uh, eight months to get um, uh, everything in line before March 7 happens and Saturn is going to move into Pisces, which is a completely different energy. So again, that's um, what's happening to us. So I wanted to look also a little bit at the chart of Israel. Last time we looked at the chart of the United States. And what I've noticed that a lot of the places that actually are having a lot of turmoil in the last few years, in the next few years, is because of Uranus being in Taurus. Uranus is the ruler of Aquarius. And wherever he is, he makes a lot of changes. So remember when Uranus was in Aries, it was 2010 to 2000, sorry, 2010, yeah, to 2018. It was causing uh, the Arab Spring. It was creating the uh, uh, ISIS uh, phenomenon, all of this very fiery, uh, very desertly kind of revolution, the Arab Spring. And now it's happening more in countries that have to do with Taurus. For example, Bulgaria is a Taurus. Israel is a Taurus. We look at the list that I collected for you for countries that there is some uh, consensus that they are Taurian uh, countries. Even Germany is on the cusp with uh, uh, Taurus. They're more Gemini. So maybe it's going to happen to Germany more in 2026-27 when Uranus moves into Gemini. But it's kind of interesting that Gemini and, and Germany, considering East-West Berlin, East-West Germany and so forth. So anyway, uh, we'll look into that uh, in a second. And also uh, we're going to look into um, the charts if we have a time. And of course, what's going to happen next week. One of the interesting things I wanted to share, because I know that you guys probably seen it on your social media again, uh, probably quite a lot. Uh, it's kind of funny, and I really admire that woman, whoever she is, a woman from Dallas. Anyway, this woman is pregnant, as you can see, and um, she was pulled over and ticketed for driving alone in an HOV. HOV lane basically is uh, pool driving. You know, you can only be there if you're two or more people at the car. She's 34 weeks pregnant. And she tells the cop that the unborn child counts as a passenger since Roe versus Wade was overturned. So the state, she says, can't have it both ways. If you decide that the baby or that there is a human soul with me from the moment of conception, and if I abort it in the first, um, if I abort it, it's basically like killing someone and I'm a murderer, then you should let me drive on the special lane that allows two people plus. So it's kind of interesting because these kind of things are going to come up because when there is a rule that is completely illogical and based on religion and not on constitution or any kind of uh, wisdom in law, but just like some book that was written a long time ago and some people believe in, you're going to have these kind of illogical situations. Hopefully it will show the light for some people. And then I had this, I was reading this book um, and there was this sentence there uh, about hate being blinder than love. And I thought about, oh my God, that's so brilliant. And then I Googled it and I actually found that there is a quote from Oscar Wilde that says, hatred is blind as well as love. But hate is blinder than, light, than love. Totally makes sense when I thought about it today in lunch, actually, it was happening because I've been reading a lot in lunch here. And I thought, why is that blinder? Hate is blinder than love because when you hate somebody, you're blind to their beauty. You're blind to their spark of God. Because if you really hate somebody all the way that you can't see the divine in them, remember the Sufis here in Turkey always talked about how 
a, a perfect person is somebody that can see God in everyone they meet. So if you hate someone, you can't access their godlike, you can't access their beauty. And that's why it's more blind. Because when you hate somebody so much that you can't see the God in them, then it's much worse than when blind when love is blind because when love is blind it basically means you can't see their fault and you know what faults we can fix we can go to psychology we can do a lot of yoga we can go meditate we can ask your astrologer if there's any help you can do past lifetime regression you can do dream works in other words you can somehow fix it everything is fixable that's a concept in kabbalah of tikkun but when you hate someone and you can't see their divine it's very difficult to fix and that means that you have to fix it, not the other person. So it's just a thought that I had that I wanted to share with you um, uh, today. And uh, yeah, the zombie governments, when I talked about Israel, Bulgaria, UK, Sri Lanka. Um, this is the list of countries that are Taurus or cusp of Taurus, which means that Uranus since 2018 is really shaking quite a lot. So Israel, Bulgaria, Sri Lanka... Lebanon, if you remember what was going on. Palestine, that's really interesting because Palestine, it's not a country, obviously. It's trying to be, but uh, it was officially declared in 1994. That was a year before Rabin was assassinated. And at that time, there was this optimism that we were going to have at last a two-state solution. So interesting that Palestine is A, a Taurus. And B, going through their Saturn return. That is, again, very, very, very important because every 29, 30 years, also for countries, there is a big energy that kind of like um, brings back things from the past. So if you think about it, the Six-Day War was 1967 plus 27, you get to uh, 94. So it's a Saturn return. And 48 was uh, before that. So it's kind of an interesting thing how these uh, energies kind of every 30 years, there is something that happens. Yemen, also, Timor, Albania, Serbia, Congo, Argentina. These are the countries that I could find uh, from my quick research that are Taurus or there is some agreement that they are Taurian. And because Uranus is in Taurus from 2018 until 2026, you can expect Uranus to move over their sun. The sun, a lot of time, is the leader of the country, or in old astrology or mundane astrology, it's the king. The moon in astrology charts of countries is the people. The sun is a lot of time the leader or the um, king or the queen, whoever. So that's the royalty. So when Uranus moves on top of the sun, uh, there is a situation like what's happening in Sri Lanka, that the people got into the king's palace and are occupying it right now uh, until they... And actually, I think that both their president and their... Uh, a prime minister just declared that they are going to be leaving. So again, it's really interesting that you can look at this list. Remember this list until 2026. They should be going through some kind of major, major change or a shift. Um, when I looked at the chart of Israel, uh, maybe because I'm going to, again, be there in a few weeks. And uh, because also most, I mean, not actually most of my life I lived elsewhere, but I lived there for a long time. It is interesting to see that a... Uh, Israel, the meaning of the name Israel is to fight with God or, or Yashar El. It means to go directly to God. It's an angular, um, you can say, aspect. It's a square aspect that talks about conflict or, or trying to understand something through wrestling with it in a sense. So that's what Israel means. I always told you guys that that's not the best name for a country, that they should have called themselves Judah. Anyway, uh, Israel or the Jews today are nothing to do 
according to the story, with the genetic material of the 10 tribes that were Israel, they're much more connected to the tribe of Judea that survived after the Babylonians uh, destroyed uh, the country, the Assyrian destroyed Israel, and later on uh, the Babylonians destroyed uh, the first temple. So it's kind of a bad name because you don't want to have a country in that place in the world, you know, in the junction between three continents, and call and have the name of war or strife or conflict in the name. You know, that's not the very, the wisest things. Especially the chart of Israel could have been a little bit rectified better uh, because Scorpio rising, mm, ruled by Mars, the god of war. And if you look at uh, the Mars of Israel, it's very strong. It's in Leo, which actually talks about courage. So no wonder uh, their army is so sophisticated and so strong. But the sun is squaring the sun. The Mars is squaring the sun. Again, that element of square. It's also interesting that it's called a startup nation. And the moon, which is the people, are in Leo. It can get arrogant, but it's very creative. Uh, that's why there is only, what, 7, 8 million uh, Israelis. And everywhere you go in the world, even here uh, in this resort in the, middle of, um, in the middle of Turkey, there is Israelis. And there's, everywhere you go, there's Israelis. There are not that many of them. But the interesting thing is they constantly move from one place to the other. So you might meet the same Israelis again and again in Turkey and then in Bulgaria and then in Greece. But that's the moon in Leo right at the zenith of the chart, meaning that it is a startup nation because moon, which is career, moon, which is people, is in Leo, which is very creative again, but at the top of the chart, which is all about career. Um, and Saturn is now in the house of home and family. So uh, that happened before 91, 92, 93, and it's happening every 30 years. So that's why there is so much of this problem of where is the government. And that's why in the last few years, there were already four. This is going to be the fifth election since Saturn moved into the house of home and family. And that's because there's so much fluctuation right now in the sense of uh, everything it has to do with the home, the family, uh, the party, you can say, and all these changes in the parties. And it's also interesting to see Neptune, the mystic, in the 12th house, the house of past lifetimes. And unfortunately, a lot of people hold on to that idea of the promised land or the or the big uh, aspect of like where the border should be like in the time of David, you know, where we don't even know if David existed. So uh, it's interesting also to see that the North Node, sorry, the Wheel of Fortune of Israel is in the house of business, communication, and writing. So that's um, also part of that. And uh, definitely, Uranus is now in a tour in uh, sorry in Taurus, yeah, and it is in the sign of the country. So it kind of makes sense that there is so much change right now, so much uh, movement. In the case of uh, Bulgaria, the rising sign of Bulgaria is Capricorn, and it can make the people a little bit pessimistic. You know, if you've been to Bulgaria, if you know Bulgarians, uh, it's a lot of time they're not very good at giving themselves good credit. So even if there is a very successful Bulgarian someplace, they don't necessarily only always support them. They don't always feel proud of them. Uh, that's a problem I always talk to Bulgarian about. That could be because of the double Capricorn. And also it's interesting to see that the moon is in the 12th house, which is the house of mysticism. And as you know, Bulgarians are very, very mystical. They actually have a few systems of mysticism. A lot of psychics are from Bulgaria. A lot of mystics are actually from Bulgaria, historically speaking. Uh, not to mention a whole movement that started in Bulgaria that has to do that almost threatened the church to collapse the church. Uh, and eventually the church uh, took um, got rid of them. Um, but it's also interesting that the moon, the people are in the 12th house, which is the house of trapped energy. Uh, and that means 
that feeling of enslavement, whether it's to the Ottoman Empire and then later on to the communist, the Soviet Empire, and now sometimes to their own corruption or to people that are uh, corrupt, take their money and and don't really um, help the people themselves. And also, uh, you have that connection to Earth because Bulgaria is a Taurus, like I told you, and it's a double Capricorn, which is Earth, 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 Earth. And they have Uranus in in, uh, Taurus, um, Minerva in Taurus, Mercury in Taurus, a lot of Earth. And indeed, one of the most famous things that Bulgaria have is the lavender growth and the roses, the rose oils. So anything to do with Earth in Bulgaria is very strong. I highly recommend visiting Bulgaria, going there and... uh, experiencing that, especially when the roses are blooming, April, May. But it's interesting that if you look at Uranus, you can see that in uh, Bulgaria's chart, Uranus is going, Bulgaria is going through a Uranus return. That happens every 84 years. So there's two Uranuses now at the same time on top of each other in the house again of home and family. You know, even the parliament is called the Doma, the home. So again, really interesting to see, and I'm getting more and more into it, how charts of countries as well as companies, as well as your pets, as well as your projects, are also extremely important. Let's go to the uh, full moon that our ex- we are experiencing in um, July 13, so Wednesday. Now, it's interesting because I was teaching here yesterday about the astrology of 2022, and I mentioned uh, the full moon that is coming up in, uh, what day is it going to be? Wednesday. So it's going to be at 8 p.m. in London time on Wednesday. So you can calculate wherever you are. And it made me think about how in, in Turkey, the flag is actually an astrological chart. They have the moon there, which has also been the symbol of the Ottoman Empire. And of course, it's the symbol of Islam and a star. So you have the moon and you have the star. Some people believe that star is Jupiter, the giver of gifts. But it's really interesting because I then thought about how I I use the expression silver bullet because I was talking about full moon and how full moons have always been associated in in stories about transformation. Think about Dracula transforming into a vampire on a full moon and the human werewolf transforming into a wolf on the full moon. And then I thought about the idea of, uh, I asked them, why do you think we have that concept of the, the silver bullet or the silver chain? Because the silver chains, if you remember, can har- they can um, uh, strain or sorry, they can contain or they can constrict the werewolf. That's the only thing you can tie a werewolf with. Because if you try regular ropes or iron, it's not going to work. It's going to break it. And if you shoot the werewolf, it's not going to die unless the bullet is made of silver. And that's the expression of a silver bullet. It's a, a solution that seems to be very simple, somewhat magical for a complicated problem. That's, that's what a silver bullet is. And if you think about um, the idea behind the silver bullet, again, silver can kill the werewolf. I mean, that's the story. But then I thought about it for a second when I was teaching and I was hearing myself say it, uh, which is, wait a minute, the moon gives the werewolf his power. So he comes from a regular human that can be maybe a you know, a geek or somebody kind of um, not necessarily very athletic, and suddenly they transform into this very powerful beast, this wolf, right? So that is the power that the moon gives. You might not like that power, but it's it's a superpower. Yeah, werewolf is a superpower. Some people even wish they were a werewolf. Then what can take away that power? The silver. What is silver? Silver is the metal of 
the moon, if you want to uh, give birth, if you want to connect to a family, if you want to be connected to real estate, what you need to have is jewelry that is made of silver because that connects you to the moon in alchemy. If you want to be seen, to be noticed, if you want to be recognized, if you want to be creative, if you want to be childlike, playful, entertaining, you wear gold because gold is associated with the sun. So the idea behind it is whatever the moon can give, she can also take away. I'm going to also talk about it uh, when we do the uh, uh, live with Laura Day this July 13. It's going to be 6 p.m. my time. So it will be what? I think it's 11 o'clock. No, it's going to be 8 a.m. in um, in Los Angeles, 11 o'clock in uh, the East Coast and 6 o'clock here in Turkey. So if you're around at Laura Day Intuit, you can uh, join us to our live session there. We're going to talk about these stories. But anyway, whatever gives you the power can take it away. We know that from politics. We know that from history, but also energetically speaking. And then I thought about the Ottoman Empire because the Ottoman Empire, uh, if you think about Mehmed II, he's the one that actually conquered, managed to conquer Constantinople, the mother of city. Many people tried to um, uh, conquer that city. It was impossible. Uh, And it was prophesied that the city will fall on the eclipse. And specifically, eclipse, um, it's going to be a blood eclipse, a blood moon eclipse. That's a lunar eclipse, basically. And it's true that in May of uh, 1453, Mehmed II managed to do the impossible. And he was actually consulting astrologer when he took over Istanbul, uh, Constantinople, which later on became Istanbul. And that was the beginning, we can say, of the glory day of the golden age of the Ottoman Empire. So the moon delivered uh, the Ottoman Empire their power. But then when you look at it historically, a lot of scholars believe that what happened with the Ottoman Empire, it fell, it collapsed, it was bankrupt by the moon. The reason why is that the calendar of the sun and the calendar of the moon have 11 days difference. So the lunar calendar is 11 days shorter than the solar one. That's why the Ramadan is always 11 days earlier every year. It kind of travels around the year because the Ramadan is according to the moon and the seasons, of course, are according to the sun. And what happened is that you can tax people according to the sun, according to the season, according to the equinox and the solstice. You can't change the season. The seasons are fixed and you can raise crops in a certain time and you can harvest them in a second in a certain time. Nature does not care so much about what calendar you use. That's the season. But the bureaucrats were paid according to the lunar calendar because that's the official lunar of the Ottoman Empire. So what happened is that every year there's 11, 11 days that the bureaucrats are getting money and no money is collected. Now, after a year, it's not a big deal. But after 10, 20, 30 200 years, it adds up to a lot of money and the moon collapsed, basically brought the Ottoman Empire on its knees. So again, whatever gives you can also take it away. But anyway, July 13th, we have a full moon in Capricorn. The moon doesn't like to be so much in Capricorn and this full moon, she's sitting on top of Pluto. So it's a little bit of um, not necessarily the easiest full moon. Uh, Cancer is the sign of the moon. So that's why this full moon is very, very powerful. And the uh, uh, Sabian symbol is a woman awaiting a sailboat. 
Uh, I don't know if that sailboat is because her lover is there and he was gone uh, for like the French woman's uh, lieutenant, the lieutenant French woman, the lieutenant. Remember that movie with Mel, uh, with um, uh, Meryl Streep? Anyway, she was going to the pier every day waiting for him. It's very dramatic. So maybe it is some kind of a woman waiting for her sailor to come back or the sailboat that's, sailboat that's supposed to bring her something back. Maybe she's a trader and she's looking for the merchandise to come. But there is some anticipation in this full moon, something that is kind of complete, but not re- not completely, because full moons usually talk about completion. So she's 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 waiting there. It's supposed to be completed. The interaction, whether it's love or whether it's uh, financially, supposed to happen, but it's not quite there. That's why the moon is edging towards Pluto, the planet of um, transformation, death, and resurrection. And again, maybe by the full moon, we'll get much more clarity about uh, when elections are going to happen, who's going to be replacing, or at least some kind of movement in that respect. And you can see that Saturn is still there, um, causing a little bit of trouble. But Saturn is also sending a beautiful line into Venus in this full moon. So this full moon could actually be pretty good for relationships and for, for families or families' relationship. So it's not all bad. And it has to do with a lot of feminine energy because of that woman energy. Cancer is, of course, feminine. And uh, because there is an element of sailboat or water. So definitely this is a full moon to spend time next to water or in connection uh, to water. So this full moon, again, it's a great time to complete something, especially in connection to your career or home and family. But there might be this push and pull between home and family uh, versus career. Um, Let's look at what's happening this week. Um, And I can share with you what I'm looking at. And then we'll go and look at some questions. I also have to kind of go a little bit earlier because dinner here is um, served until a certain time. And then I'm going to be hungry. That's not good. Um, So Sunday. Yeah, this is the right chart. Uh, We're talking about today, Sunday. Uh, the moon is in Sagittarius, just moved into Sagittarius. That's actually kind of nice, especially if you're traveling or if you're planning to travel. Anything to do with wisdom, information, uh, foreign cultures, foreign traditions. It's kind of funny. I didn't even plan it. But, you know, the moon being in Sagittarius uh, and we talked a lot about worldly events uh, and about wisdom coming from different places in the world. But that's precisely what the talk about uh, the moon in, in moon in Sagittarius. But remember, we said how... In the end of July, we have Uranus edging closer and closer and having a conjunction with um, the North Node. Uranus is, again, the ruler of Aquarius, governments, organizations, nonprofit, social media, everything that has to do with groups and people on top of the North Node, which a lot of time talks about also communities and people. It's usually uh, the aspect of what we come here to learn. So all of us collectively, uh, the last time it happened in Taurus, I told you, is 1855, We are learning new forms of governance. We're learning new ways to govern the people and to really connect to how to manage communities. And because it's also in Taurus, there's going to be a lot of kind of craziness with the economy. I know that, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. I think it's one of the first times in uh, modern history, at least, that we have talk about inflation and talk about recession at the same time. It's like 
is it's kind of interesting it's like binary fluid it's moving between up and down up and down and some indication are saying that there is inflation other indication are saying nope the economy is great there is no and some indication are saying there is recession that could be part of that uranus in taurus uranus is unpredictable craziness up and down confusion madness in taurus which is to do with money talents self-worth and also, the fact that North Node is there, it's trying to teach us something. If we can learn what it's trying to teach us, instead of being the regular stubborn Taurus energy, that would be really helpful to manage these uh, periods of time. But again, the moon today is in Sagittarius. Tomorrow, it is, is going to be still in Sagittarius. And um, it's going to be opposite to Venus. It happens once a month where your relationship or partnership or finance could be opposite to what your will of the family is or your home. So just be a little bit aware of it. Not the best time for real estate um, on uh, Monday if you can avoid it, even though we're in cancer, even though there's no Mercury retrograde or Mars retrograde or any kind of catastrophe. But still, be a little bit more careful with everything it has to do with real estate. Uh, Mercury is coming closer and closer to the sun, which is always really good. And I think that that's something that um, uh, when this Mercury is on top of the sun, it just makes us all way more clever than we really are. So anything to do with writing and communication is going to be very good this week. So use it. Remember that Mercury was on top of the black moon precisely when this whole thing was going on with uh, uh, Boris Johnson in, Amer in, in the UK. So it's kind of interesting. Now it's passed away from there. So it carries that knowledge but moves it towards the sun to kind of purge it. So certain things that we thought about, experienced, maybe wrote in the last few days is going to be purged by the sun in the next few days. Uh, besides that, we have Mars a little bit slow, but actually it's a really good um, uh, on Monday, Tuesday, because there's good aspect that Mars is having. So you can use him slowly. So everything you're doing right now with action, with movement, with um, your art, even with finance, just do it a little bit more slow. Don't be too uh, hectic as regular uh, Uranus in Taurus is. Um, besides that, we have pretty good energy from Pluto to Minerva, a lot of deep wisdom, a lot of deep understanding. Then we are moving towards uh, Tuesday. In Tuesday, the moon is going to be in Capricorn. It's coming closer and closer to the full moon. But as you can see, we're creating this beautiful, there's a lot of trines happening around that time, especially between Mercury and the sun with the south node and the north node. This is a lot of learning, a lot of teaching, a lot of uh, downloading of really valuable information. Venus is no longer opposite to the moon, so anything to do with real estate, home, design is good, especially because Venus is getting closer and closer to a trine with Saturn, which is always good for relationship, partnership, even finance. Um, Venus loves to connect to Saturn. It basically means that she has a sugar daddy. Okay, so it just talks about really good energy. And Mars is sending a beautiful energy on Tuesday to the moon. Action and emotions are linked together in a very positive way. Then we have the full moon on Wednesday. As we said, the full moon is still attached in a good way to the north and the south node. So there's a lot of lessons learned. Uh, Uranus is also sending good energy to the sun and the moon. A lot of unpredictable positive things that can actually come around that time. Jupiter is... Uh, yeah, Jupiter is, is a little bit of... No, actually, yeah, it's, it is squaring the black moons. Just be careful of slander or saying bad things about certain people. Just be a little bit more careful with that. Uh, besides that, Uranus is sending a brilliant energy to the moon. So Tuesday, Wednesday, very good for technology, innovation, uh, anything to do with good ideas, e-commerce. 
Thursday, July 14, we are talking about Mercury coming even closer and closer to the sun and the moon passing Pluto into Aquarius. So from Thursday, the energy changes into the moon in Aquarius for two days. At first, Thursday, Friday should be easier. Saturday might be a little bit tougher when the moon touches Saturn, especially around home and family. So if you're planning a family dinner, maybe Thursday would be better. Wednesday, I think Thursday is going to be probably better. Sorry, Friday will be better. Saturday might be a little bit too intense. Um, Besides that, you um, uh, have Venus. Yeah, Venus and Saturn are trining each other in a perfect way. Like I told you, Wednesday, Thursday. That's a great day for finance, a good day for dates, a good day for collaboration with people, art, design. Then we have on Friday, the moon is still in Aquarius, but she's doing a square to Uranus. That can be a little bit tough because Uranus is the ruler of Aquarius and now the moon, the ruler of Cancer and we're in Cancer, is in Aquarius. So it creates a square. Square is a little bit of a conflict that could be, again, unpredictable emotions coming up and down. So don't take yourself too seriously on Friday. Um, And the moon is still opposite to um, uh, the sun. So that can create a little bit of manipulation, power struggle, especially with bosses and figures of authority. And finally, Saturday, the moon is going to shift towards the end of the day towards Pisces, which is much more calm and easygoing, especially with uh, the sun being in Cancer, and especially with Minerva, the goddess of wisdom, sorry, Vesta being in Pisces, in, in uh, Pisces also, which is great, Neptune being in Pisces, very dreamy kind of energy, and Thursday, Saturday and, and Sunday next uh, weekend could be very good for dreams, for yoga, for meditation, for dance. Let's look if there are any questions that I can... uh, Is it possible from people from past life to ensnare you into all dynamics you should be done with? No, they're not going to do it. You might be doing it yourself through them. What I'm trying to say is, could it be that um, you're running in a field which has a lot of holes and the holes are trying to capture you? No, you're running in that place which is all full of holes in the ground. You should be a little bit more careful not to fall into them. What I'm trying to say is that we have a tendency to travel with clusters of soul together. So what it means is that maybe in a past lifetime, they were the bad guys. In this lifetime, they're the good guys. They're like actors changing their roles, you know, but liking to act together. So you just have to be careful a little bit uh, because some of the times we project on people certain things we expect them to do. So remember, you travel as, as clusters of soul together. Even if they're trying to ensnare you, you know what the rule is. We talked about it many times. You have to say three times no, like Jesus, like Buddha, and it will be gone. But you have to really say the no out loud. Next weekend is Hanuman Festival in Boulder. Should be awesome then. Yeah, it should be. But it's interesting because Hanuman's birthday was already done uh, before. I wonder why they're celebrating it again. Uh, But maybe it's a different celebration. Uh, Maybe it's not connected to his birthday But yes, anything to do with yoga, meditation, intuition, religion, mysticism, very, very strong. Um, But it's not connected to his birthday, yeah. I remember the first time I went to this um, celebration of Hanuman, and I was born the year of the monkey, and always, from all the deities in India, I always connected the most to Hanuman. And it happened to be that year, because again, the the, the Vedic astrology is lunar, uh, it was on my birthday. So his birthday fell on my birthday on the same the first time I actually went to one of these uh, events. So it was kind of uh, uh, beautiful. 
Uh, also, some announcement. I am going to be in Istanbul in the next few weeks and I'm going to give readings there. But uh, in London, I'm teaching. I, I think I have, um, uh, I, I posted it, but I'll put it again. Uh, I think some of you already know, but uh, if you want to get a reading in person in London or in Zurich, uh, let me know. In Zurich, you can let me know directly. In London, there is a link to connect there. Uh, there is limited amount because I'm going to be there only a week and I'm going to be teaching through alternatives, a class on biblical stories. It will be in person on the, uh, what is going to be, the 25th of August. And I'm going to also do in Trioga in Camden, but it's also going to be available online. So you guys can join from every place in the world about colors and about your story. This is a new class I started in Bulgaria about how to connect to your own story, your antagonist, your protagonist, who is your agent of change, who is your wizard, who is your witch. It's a really fun class and we're going to do it in person, but also online with a lot of exercises. So I am going to go eat something, if you don't mind. And again, thank you for joining me and being very uh, flexible. I mean, I hope you are. Uh, while I'm traveling, I'm doing my best uh, to make it happen. Even now, it's already dark. That's why you don't have the blue glow anymore. It's come dark. Uh, you saw changes from mercy of the blue into understanding, which is indigo, and into the black. Even my shirt became a little bit more black, even though it's blue. Anyway, have an amazing day. Uh, have a great full moon. I'm sending a lot of love uh, from um, uh, Turkey. And I will see you in person, inshallah, one way or another. Wherever you are, I see a lot of people in sunny location, a lot of places that are dark, um, maybe different seasons, different uh, continents. That's one of the great things about Aquarius and how everybody is everywhere and yet at the same place. So have a wonderful time. Thanks a lot.